Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Hello. Ready for my big news? Oh, yes, go on. I have had my first dose. You have not. Yeah, now I've got lots to say about that, but before I I get into it, the the even bigger news is that looks like I'm a Pfizer guy. Really? But, but explain everything. Well, out of the three, I think you that that are approved for use, you don't get a say. I think it just depends on which vaccination centre you go to. I don't know if it depends day to day. I guess refrigeration is a factor. But I am I am a Pfizer guy. I always saw myself, I guess, as an AstraZeneca guy, <laughs> just because of the Anglo Swedish thing. Astro mm. AstraZeneca is an Anglo Swedish company. Um, I never really saw myself as a Moderna guy. Right. Which, 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 where's that from? Germany? No, that's well, America, I, isn't it? Don't, you don't even know. In my heart, I thought, <laughs> I don't really mind what I get. I'd like to be an AstraZeneca guy. Mm. I just hope it's not Moderna. Right. And I got Pfizer. And I really see, my, see myself now. It's like the scales have been lifted from my eyes. I really see myself as a Pfizer guy. Um, and, and I consider myself very much on Team Pfizer. I look down on the other vaccines. <laughs> Listen, and here's why I think this. I think the way we divide ourselves up as human beings is often pretty arbitrary, right? Hmm. Nationalities, religions, skin colour, football teams. None of it. None of it's real. So why not a future society where our tribes correspond to which COVID vaccination we've had. It could be like houses of people who didn't go to boarding school. Yes. Yeah, mm. exactly that. Yeah, yeah. We get house yeah. points and stuff. Yeah, like Harry Potter. Yeah. I'm trying to think. What is? So I think Pfizer. What is Pfizer? Is it Ravenclaw? Anyway, don't want to get bogged down no. in that. Um, no. I'll tell you what I am worried about. Mm. I'm worried that my wife might get a different one. What, why would that be an issue? Because wouldn't that then mean we were just incompatible? Isn't it like star signs? <laughs> no, no. Just... Would it would it mean if my wife was, for example, a Moderna gal, that it would be justifiable for me to have an affair with a, a fellow Pfizer? 
This is this is how wars start. Honestly, it's just like <laughs> us and them. What's going on? Stop it. No, I don't know. Um, okay, so so I think you're probably curious as to how I, a young man, mm. have ended up being vaccinated. My only guess is you've been hanging around vaccination centres at the end of the day, waiting for a, a dose going spare. Am I right? No. Here's the answer. Yeah. No idea. I genuinely have no idea. I got a text message from my GP surgery last Friday saying, we now invite you to schedule the first dose of your vaccination. And then I went today, Tuesday, to have it done. There was no inclination as as to why they'd picked me. I know loads of people over 50 and I think a few over 60s who haven't yet had it. I know over 70s who haven't. This is right. Just, it's bizarre. So I am now worried. Here's my fear. I'm now worried that I have an underlying condition that the doctor just thinks we all know about. No, it's so bad they just don't want to tell you. Well, this is it. I mean, are they thinking, look, we, we just have to, uh, we have to do what we can to give him a quality of life for what little time he has left. Mm-hmm. Like, why have I got it? I'm... I'm absolutely baffled by it. Did it? And you didn't ask, or you didn't want no, to ask? No. no. Don't question it. <laughs> well, no, I didn't. But even when I went today to the vaccination centre, which was just to be a bit earnest for a second, it was quite incredible how well run it was, especially when you consider that volunteers work in these places. It was, it was, it was brilliant. Um, but the the person who gave me the jab was was a doctor. And she said to me when she saw my date of birth, she said, "Oh, are you a are you a key worker then?" And I'd say, "No, I don't really know why I'm I'm getting the I don't understand why they've they've asked me." And then she said, "Oh, so just out of interest, what line of work are you on in?" Which is an awful question to ask me. Yeah, yeah. So my answer to that, I'll try and do an impersonation of me answering that question. So she goes, oh, what, what kind of work are you in? Just out of interest. And I go, um, kind of, well, and kind of, you're not going to think it's a proper job, really, especially given what you're doing. But sort of oh. kind of podcasting, which I know doesn't sound real, but it is, is my job. <laughs> right. How did and that I go thought, down? Even though she was wearing a mask, I really thought I could see the disdain all over her Why face. Why is a podcaster getting the head yeah. of a teacher, for example? Yeah, she's she's literally there saving lives, <laughs> mm. like part of this hugely important national drive, the likes of which we haven't seen. And I, I'm this podcaster, as you say, get, getting a getting a jab. And uh, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. She was so gentle as well. I thought when she found that information out, she might really jab it into my arm. <laughs> um, and I t- on my way there, I thought I'm going to not mention, whenever I go for any kind of blood test or vaccination, I end up talking to them about how needle phobic I am and I have to do the special breathing thing that I do to calm myself down and just distract myself in this way. But I thought, given the, the, the scale of what these people are doing, they don't need to hear about, about my le- needle phobia. And mm. yet... I um, I I ended up mentioning it. You blurted to her and, it. Hmm. Yeah, I did blurt it, and it was it was the least painful jab I can ever remember having. I hmm. I, I almost didn't feel it at all. I'll tell you what I was worried about. Hmm. 
that it was not going to be done by a, a GP or some other medical professional, but by a volunteer who'd been recently trained. What, like I was going to do? Yeah, I mean, not someone I, like I don't, me. Don't mean to be disparaging about those people, because uh, as I said just before, like, what they're doing is is incredible and it's hugely impressive and humbling. But I, what I don't want is some potentially crazed member of the public who's always fancied stabbing somebody but not wanted to do medical training just thinking yes and my my opportunity is here i'm going to seize it and i could justify it to myself because i'll be i'll be part of the greater good mm-hmm. i mean i will say it does hurt a bit now i wonder you like bit. she definitely did do it you said you barely yeah, so felt she, a thing she thought podcaster I'm going to show oh, yeah, you on my yeah, webcam. Yeah. Can you see? I'm showing Annabelle my uh, bit of cotton wool under mm. some surgical tape. Yeah, it's a, it, 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 I've got like it, it felt fine for hours, and now I've got a bit of a dead arm. You know, mm. like used to give each other at school, mm-hmm. depending on how rough your school was. I think probably even not rough schools did that. Well, Unless I went, you went to, to a I went Swiss to an finishing school, school, so they didn't. There were no so dead much. arms at an all-girls school. No, no, uh, a bit more gentle. Types, I'm not sure that the girls at our school were more gentle okay. with each other. Right. Um, I, I am slightly worried that a small percentage of people have adverse side effects the next day. So the first thing they do is they keep you there 15 minutes to check that nothing really weird like is going to happen in terms of an adverse effect. And then after 15 minutes, they're confident you're going to be fine and then you go. But the doctor did say that... Um, you know, like with any vaccination, there's this risk that you'll get a mild version of it, like with the flu vaccine. And and the doctor did say, it's, it's unlikely, but it is possible that you won't feel great tomorrow. And she said, but if it feels worse than a typical viral flu, then, you know, let us know. And what I thought then was, I'm such a malingerer and such a hypochondriac if I get a mild cold, I think it's a flu. Mm. So if I get something tomorrow that feels like a, a mild viral flu, mm. I'm going to think I'm dying. Yes, you are. So how, how will I be able to gauge whether a side effect is normal or not, given what a low threshold for any kind of discomfort or pain that I have? I feel fairly sure that your wife will put you in your place and tell you that it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, you're mm. right, you're right. I was sort of, I was sort of hoping. I th- here's this. This is dark, but I thought that I did have in my head was I had this Zoom meeting conference thing scheduled in for tomorrow, and I really don't want to do it. Really, I've been dreading it for weeks, and part of me hoped that I would get an adverse reaction. Not a really bad one, which meant that I needed to let them know, but something that felt like a flu so that I could cancel this meeting and have a good excuse for not doing it. Mm. But the meeting's been cancelled anyway. So if I do get a side effect tomorrow now, and if I do feel ill, it'll be for nothing. (laughs) I was quite looking forward to it because it meant I could get out of a responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I get it now, it'll just mean... hmm. This doesn't get me anywhere. I'm just ill with no sympathy and, and no exactly. excuse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What's the point no of that? use for that illness. I can't weaponize it in mm. any way to get out of an engagement.
and a belly flop. Shall we have some correspondence from Drifters? Have I ever called you Anna Belly Flop before? Neb, no, nobody ever has. That was a real first for me. Thanks. Oh, wow. New nickname yeah. to go alongside your old nickname, Hamble. That's the worst From when you were a kid, from when you were a child. No, it was never one. At primary school. No, it absolutely was never. It was Manimal. Okay, <laughs> next one. First one, sorry, from Richard. In the spring of 2013, I lived in San Francisco, California. Having moved to the city years earlier, I, by this time, was living like a real San Franciscan native. I raised backyard chickens, brewed my own kombucha, and now I was learning a new hobby, foraging for mushrooms. The city's massive Golden Gate Park was the setting for one of my first mushroom hunting trips. Not wanting to explain what I was doing, I chose a relatively hidden area of the park near an empty parking lot. With my guidebook in hand, I was on my way. It had rained the night before and the wet dirt, fallen leaves and dense brush made spotting the already hard to spot mushrooms a challenge. To combat this, I adopted what might be called a mushroom stance. I folded down at the waist, hands for support just above bent knees, my head and eyes down, scanning the ground from left to right. While awkward, I found it gave me the best perspective to spot the camouflage fungi. The area was wooded and sometimes the occasional hiker would approach and try to pass by. At the first sight of them, I'd quickly straighten up and awkwardly walk the other way. Nothing to see here, just an ordinary person going for an outing in the park. At one moment, I peer up and I'm shocked to see someone stood 10 metres away, not moving and staring directly at me. I froze. I gather my composure, stand upright and start walking without a word. I try to comprehend what just happened. Was he confused by my weird stance? No, I thought the man must be trying to rob me. And as if by reflex, I reached for my phone, pretending that a friend had just called. Oh, hey. Okay, yeah, you're just parking now. Okay, see you soon. I'm further down the path when I finally hang up the call. I look back and he's gone. Relieved, I soldiered on. Later that day, I'm excited to find a whole slew of new, interesting specimens on a hill just above a walking path. As I kneel down to get a closer look, an an elderly walker passes by on the path below. He sees me, we smile and wave. As soon as he passes, I get back to it. Moments later, I see him again, this time standing at the foot of the hill. He calls up. What are you looking for? I had to fess up. I'm foraging for mushrooms. He looks slightly confused, but curious. Can I join you? Figuring I couldn't say no, I help him up and show off what I found, admitting that I don't know much about them yet. As I finish my presentation, he pauses, then asks again, So, what are you looking for? And I think I'm being very clear, so I'm a bit flummoxed. Again, I say, looking for mushrooms. He finally clarifies it. You're in a hookup area. What are you looking for? Because I'm looking to... I won't need to say that. At that moment, it all hits me. Scenes from the morning now flash before my eyes. The hikers who had passed me throughout the morning, all single men. The staring man who I thought was out to rob me just an hour before. And now this, a man about the age and appearance of my granddad looking for some adult fun times. Everything now made sense. And then it dawned on me. I had spent an entire morning staring at the ground with my bum in the air in an outdoor pickup area. I explained the error to the man. He was not amused. Then I made my way towards my car. This time, my eyes looking straight ahead, back straight. I love the bum in the air there. Yeah. <laughs> like it's baboons. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know much about the, the various social codes. 
But yeah. I imagine there's more to it than sticking your bum up in, <laughs> into the air. I imagine it's evolved as humans have evolved. I mean, I'm not uh, saying it's a, a, a system of handker- handkerchiefs in different pockets, but well, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. That was uh, that. That was so good. Um, it also made me think. There's got to be mileage in stories where you faked a phone call. Oh, must be yeah. And then beyond that, I, I found the during the first half of the story, I was just a little bit too consumed with envy for Richard's San Francisco life of brewing kombucha and um, mm. foraging for mushrooms and stuff. It just sounded um, a, a bit too desirable yeah, for yeah. me. But that, that was great. I love that. Thank you, Richard. And this is from Wise Lady Dominica. Little bit of backstory. I am an avid Aurora Australis hunter here in Melbourne and have been chasing Ooh. and photographing the Aurora any chance I can for about seven years. Many a night has been spent on a cold and windy beach or cliff face hoping to capture the southern lights moving across the horizon and I've met some of the most wonderful people. I work at the front desk of a physiotherapy clinic. We had a new patient booked in, let's call him John, as our last client of the night. And his name was very familiar, but I couldn't quite place where I knew it from. So put the thought away. Moments before he was due for his appointment, my face mask broke and I was in the process of retrieving a new one when he walked in. Now, even though I could only see half of his face, I instantly recognised him as a friend of a friend who asked me to teach him how to use his brand new camera that he'd bought specifically for an Aurora Borealis trip he was making to Finland later that year. Not wanting him to have wasted his money on a camera he didn't know how to use, I agreed and invited John out three times when there was a chance of some auroral action. During the many hours over the course of those three nights, I taught him everything I knew about photographing the aurora, explained the difference between seeing the lights with your naked eye compared to how it looks in a long exposure photo. It's very dull, can barely see any colour and it somewhat looks like moving cloud. How to focus the camera on stars, the importance of learning where all the dials and buttons are on his camera and practicing changing settings and batteries in the dark so as not to ruin his dark adjusted eyesight or anyone else's photos. You get the idea. I even invited to join him a Aurora Facebook group that I'm an admin of so that he gets some inspiration for compositions, ask any other questions he had and to share his photos after his trip. So when John walked in and I realised where I recognised his name, my stomach dropped at the thought of having awkward acquaintance small talk. John did seem to do a double take when he saw my master's face, but he didn't mention anything and I happily decided that neither would I. Something must have triggered his memory during his consultation because when he came out of the room, out to reception, he loudly exclaimed, I do know you, don't I? Do you? I replied, feigning surprise. Yes, it's me, John Smith. We met through Aurora hunting. Damn it, he's figured it out, I thought to myself. Oh, yes, you're right. So sorry. Hard to recognise anyone these days. <laughs> these days? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've come well with a mask, yeah. It's a great excuse, though. Yeah, As yeah. feared, the awkward acquaintance catch-up began. I mean, what's there to catch up on with someone you met three times almost four years ago? It was well past closing time, and yet he was still standing there, filling me in on his life for the past few years. He then asked me if I'd seen his photos of the Aurora from his Finland trip. I replied yes, and I was very jealous. He had obviously forgotten the exact nature of how we had met because he went on to explain to me that the Aurora didn't really look like his photo to the naked eye. How it looked more like a bright cloud in the sky, and occasionally you could see a dull green colour. 
Now, this is awkward. Every ounce of my being wanted to remind him that I was the reason he was able to take his photos of the aurora in Finland. But the best I could manage was, oh, how fascinating. So not only was he keeping me back after work, but he didn't even have the decency to remember that I taught him everything he knew. Fast forward to an hour later when I got home, I saw that he'd sent me a message saying it was great to see me and if I wanted any tips for photographing the aurora, to just shoot him a message. I haven't replied. Now, I enjoyed the story. Oh, I've been saying something wrong, haven't I? What? Have I been mispronouncing something? What have you, what have you, tell me what you think you've been mispronouncing. Aurora? No, that's fine. You even okay. said specifically well. I know, uh, I know. And I saw, because we're looking at each other on a, a FaceTime call, I saw the look of joy in your face when you got through that word without messing it up. Thrill. No, so so it's it's a great story and infuriating. But I was quite distracted whilst listening to it about thinking about the Aurora Australis, which I don't know much about, but... I'm so surprised you can see it from Melbourne. Why? Because if you think about where in the Northern Hemisphere you can see the Aurora Borealis, Mm. it's much closer to the Arctic or to the North Pole than Melbourne or Australia are to the South Pole. And I even Googled it. So I've seen the Northern Lights in a few places, but one of them is Reykjavik. And Reykjavik is 64 degrees north, just over, whereas Melbourne is just under 38 degrees south. So it's a big difference. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it it would almost like be, I don't know where the equivalent would be, but would it be like being able to see the um, the northern lights in, in like Port- northern Portugal or something? Hmm. That's that's why it's weird to me. I'm really fascinated. So I imagine once you're into the Antarctic and the Arctic, it, it, there's there's not much of a difference. But maybe they do have different properties. I don't know. I'd love to get in touch with John and find out more about the subject. <laughs> <really> an expert. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, I uh, really enjoyed that. Thank you, Dominica. And if you have a story you would like to share uh, share with us, it could be a, a know-it-all nemesis claiming credit uh, for something you should be getting the credit for, but you're too much of a drifter to claim it for what's rightfully yours, faking a phone call, misjudging a, a, a social situation, finding yourself... Uh, like Richard in a in a fish out of water situation, email us please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Manimal. That's better, yeah. At least you're not pretending that your nickname was the flying flea anymore. Um It was. It was. What um are you gonna give us another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult? <laughs> yes. Do you remember during the first lockdown when I said that I only ever properly clean my house and I've got people coming round? Yes. Can you even begin to imagine the state it's in right now? Yes. (laughs) I'm half joking. Actually, it's probably more like quarter joking. But I've noticed two things about my home this week. One is a terrible deterioration and the other is a life-enhancing improvement. Oh. Okay, so the first is to do with all the doors. This is fascinating, let me assure you. (laughs) We've got six internal doors in the house. 
Three won't stay shut unless they're closed. You can't pull them too. They swing open, they swing closed, they swing about all day and drive me mad. Some people would just shut them, properly close them, but I hate internal doors being shut. Hate it. Do you hate it? I can't stand it. I hate internal doors being open. I cannot (sighs) relax of an evening if the living room door is open. And it drives me insane if Sarah comes back from the toilet and, and doesn't close it. I'm exactly the same, but it has to be pushed too. It can't be properly closed. Uh, so I can't stand it being fully open and I can't stand it being fully closed. It has to be pushed too. And I think the reason is that I don't want to be faffing around with the door handle because they're quite stiff our door <laughs> handle as well. I just want to push. That's what I want to do. I want to push. But yeah, I'm totally with you. I can't bear sitting in a room with the door open. Awful. Mm. Mm. Now, there are three doors that will stay put. They don't swing. But two of those, you actually can't physically shut. It's like they're too big for the frame. Don't know what went on there. (laughs) I realised when I did the counting of them that the three that stay shut are on one side of the flat and the swinging ones are on the other, making me wonder (laughs) if my flat tilts. Perhaps I should get a structural engineer involved. I don't know. Anyway, here's the big news. (laughs) Here's the big news. We found a solution for the swinging doors rammed a slipper under them and now they stay put but they still open and close oh, they've got some firmness to them now so i have three doors now with a slipper visibly stuck under them <laughs> and what's extra nice is that these slippers are picking up dust as they go backwards and forwards so they're very dusty old slippers stuck under a door and it's totally working for me and it looks completely terrible and i don't care until visitors are allowed in houses again then i probably have to think of something else so that's the good thing we mentioned before there was a caller to the radio show once who yeah. got a new sofa. <laughs> but <laughs> but um but hadn't made arrangements to dispose of the old sofa. Hmm. So they just upended it in one corner of the room and then installed the new one. Yeah. And then left yeah. it like that for I can't remember exactly how long he said, but it was eight it years. Was years, yeah, it was years, eight years. I'll never forget right. that. Because yeah. I totally get it. That's but that's, how, that's it. how it's going with your slippers. You do know that. I know, I know. Once, gonna... once, once you introduce something like that into your home, mm. it stays like that. The thing is, what happens is, is you stop noticing it. You just don't see it. Your eyes don't see it. Until someone comes around and points it out to you, which will be do you. you. Think, <laughs> do you think you'll ever move from there? I hope so. <laughs> because... It, what it sounds to me like your flat mm. is, you know, occasionally somebody's house will go up for sale on Rightmove or something <laughs> and it goes viral because of how weird it is. I think that's the direction you're heading in. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, <laughs> let's go on to the next one. This, this is the good thing. Okay. It's amazing. I've got what I think is called an integrated kitchen. It's when everything is hidden behind the same cupboard doors. So my fridge is hiding, as is my dishwasher and my washing machine. It's actually quite annoying as you have to buy integrated appliances and they're more expensive. Anyway, I had to get a new washing machine about two years ago and I paid extra to get it installed. And when they put the cupboard door on it, they did it really badly. It was wonky and the door never shut properly. But of course, I didn't say anything at the time because I didn't want to offend them. And then I had a revelation this week. Why am I hiding my washing machine like it's a dirty secret? I should be proud of it. I once lived for a year without a washing machine or a laundrette nearby and it was not fun washing my bedding in the bath. I should be having it on full display, be proud of it. (laughs) 
I'd be proud of my washing machine, which was the cheapest integrated one that Carrie's did. So I'll tell you what I did. I got a screwdriver out, took the cupboard door off. And honestly, every time I walk into my kitchen, I'm happier now. And I can't wait for people to come round and see my washing machine. <laughs> the only downside is that I've got nowhere to put the cupboard door that I took off. So I just lent it up against the wall behind the kitchen bin, which actually counts as a second terrible deterioration. But to be honest, everyone's going to be distracted with my lovely washing machine. So I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A little telling detail from my visit to the vaccination centre to get my first dose. Pfizer! Pfizer! <laughs> Pfizer! Stop it. Um, which made me realise just how long I have had driftery tendencies. So when I went in, they gave me my card. And the first thing I noticed is that my name is spelled wrong on the card. It's spelt Jeffery, not Jeffrey. Right. In other words, it goes double F E R Y, not R E Y, which is in fact what it is. And as I look at that, a slew of memories across my entire life, dating back to being a child and seeing the tatty envelope in the doctor's surgery we used to go to when I was a kid like my Dr. Tom Lomas's name was, um, and it was like a ramshackle doctor's surgery in Macclesfield, and you'd sit there in the waiting room and all the doctor's names would be on these light boards, which made a horrible buzzing type noise when it was your turn to go in. A bit like the buzzers on University Challenge, like <clears throat> Lomas would flash up. And the doctors used to have a, a pedal under their desk to signal for the next patient. That's how you knew it was your time to go in anyway so i I what i'm saying is i remember seeing my name spelled incorrectly on my medical records when i was a child and then my whole life i have been in the nhs system with my name spelled wrong and at no point have i thought to say to anybody oh it's just a little thing but actually you've got me you've got me down as uh with a slight misspelling of my name how much effort would it have taken to say that at some point, thinking how many medical appointments I've had over the years or how many times I've registered with a new GP, and I would rather have my name spelled incorrectly than go to any kind of fuss to have it changed? Tom's exactly the same. He's um, he's down, his name is Tom, just T-O-M, like that's the name that he was given at birth. Um, but they've got him on the NHS down as Thomas because I think maybe at one point they thought, well, that he can't be a Tom, he must be a Thomas. And he's never, ever bothered to say anything about it. He'll be sitting in a waiting room and they'll call Thomas and he won't he won't realise it's him because like Thomas is quite different <laughs> to Tom. Like he, he doesn't associate with Thomas at all. Never bothered to say it. Oh, 
funny. I know. But I think you don't like to correct the NHS, do you? Because yes, like... <laughs> I think that's, that's definitely it. Yeah. Um, oh, another thing is I got a sticker. You did not. Yes. Really? They, they give out stickers to everyone who's vaccinated. I guess because they want to make sure as many people as possible take up the vaccination and there's some kind of social contagion in seeing other people with a sticker. But it was lovely because you don't get that as an adult very often for a trip to the doctors. You used to get it as, as a child with the dentist, but um, it's been a long time since I've had a sticker. And I was really happy to be given it and that got me thinking about usually if somebody is offering a free thing i don't want it but i don't want to seem like i'm in any way superior by declining it no you'd hurt their feelings if you said no to a sticker yeah but more generally if somebody's in the street handing out leaflets or or any kind of free promotional junk or religious tracts or pamphlets or whatever (laughs) I think that if I decline it, even though I know it's a terrible waste, bad for the environment, I'm going to drop it in a bin, I think that the person doing the handing out is going to think, oh, too too good for it, are you? <laughs> I think and, a lot of people can say no to a leaflet, for example. And, and this, this manifests itself as whenever I'm offered a receipt. Oh, you always felt like you should take it. Yeah, so I don't want to, I never, I never ever want to receive. No, ever. I think that I don't really pay for anything in cash. There's a digital trail of any purchase I've got. If I really needed to take something back, I could. And if it's a bigger purchase anyway, they email you the receipt. And if it's an onion, for example, I'm not going to take it back. <laughs> but I don't want the person offering me the receipt to think, oh, Oh, so you are such a big shot. You're such a Mr. <laughs> Uppity. Sat there in your mansion. You de- don't need to reconcile your receipts with your spending at the end of every month. They're, not, they're receipts, not thinking though. that. They're not thinking that. Yeah. I, I always feel like I'm in some way insulting them when I don't want a receipt. Mm. I think it says a lot about my personality. Yeah, Just before we come on to um, Mug Chat, which I know is what everybody's waiting for. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't quite know how this fits into anything, but it, it, it made me laugh. So Sarah and I were sitting on the sofa. Um, it, it was a couple of weeks ago, actually, watching Saturday Night TV. And all of a sudden, I had a brainwave. I said, Sarah, we've seen all these talent shows where it's celebrities attempting to do things, dancing, skiing, singing, whatever it is. Why have we never seen a talent show where celebrities learn to roller skate? Because there's an ice skating one, but there's no roller roller disco one. I also feel that just from what I've picked up from social media, roller skating is having a bit of a moment. Oh, Again, and I've seen people exercising on roller skates during lockdown. And I get so excited that I text straight away. I've got two friends, both of whom work in TV development, selling formats and ideas. And I text both of them simultaneously. And I think whichever one comes straight back with the million pound contract <laughs> just to sign up the idea that's the one I'll give it to and and they both got back to me yeah and do you want do you want to know what they, they weirdly enough they both said exactly the same thing go on 
They said, oh, that's what everybody's trying to crack at the moment. Everybody is pitching roller skating shows. Oh, really? So it is a thing. Don't you think that's weird? Yeah. That it's just that that everybody simultaneously has thought, oh, why haven't we seen celebrities on roller skates? Because anything where there's an element of danger, where they're going fast, out of control, will fall over. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's something for you to look out for on your TV. Roller skating shows are going to be. I'm thinking about getting a pair of roller skates. I'm quite excited by this. When you think of roller skates, what Hmm. are you visualising? Like eighty star ones. By by by, not not those big bow, not the cool bow ones. Just like the real kind of retro ones, like the ones you would have had as a kid. Okay, but so not but a, not the ones that you put on over your shoes. With, right, because no. that's what I think of as roller skates. <laughs> no, and no, I no, think no. of what you're talking about as roller boots. Yeah, oh, roller boots. Yeah, roller skates. Roller skates are a brilliant idea because you just you don't have to carry your shoes. Yeah. 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 So so I, the, I was in the playground with Jean the other day and there was some kid on roller, what I would call roller boots. And I said, oh, nice roller boots. And she sort of snorted derisively at me and went, <laughs> The roller skates. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, listen, you precocious seven-year-old, they're not roller skates. They're ro-. But I thought if then I start having to try and explain that when I was young, roller skates were something that you clipped onto your existing <laughs> shoes. No, 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 but they, no, no. It's not going to go no, over no, well. No, 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 I'm no. only going to sound more ancient than no. I, they already do. Okay. All that over, mm. let's move on to... What mug is this? What mug is that? What mug you gonna find at? Mug chat! Mug chat. Who is the, uh, who's the first one from? Well, Sarah brings up something very interesting to me. I had a thought about the reusing of mugs throughout the day. For example, I work from home anyway, even pre-COVID. But if I'm home drinking maybe four cups of tea throughout the day, I'll give it a quick wash with hot water in between drinks, only putting it in the dishwasher at the end of the day. If I had a coffee at some stage, I'd switch to a fresh mug. I'm not an animal. My favourite mug for coffee is from Café du Monde in New Orleans. But for some reason, I would never have tea in this cup. (laughs) <laughs> otherwise my world's best mum mug is a standout choice for cup of tea i wonder if this is normal about the mug washing my retired in-laws have a fresh mug for every drink throughout the day one of their grown-up kids still lives at home and from briefly living there for a short time i worked out they go through at least 25 mugs per day that didn't include the mugs me and my husband were using during our stay there it seems crazy to me i'm fascinated to know where you, what your stance on this is how, well, how, how how much would you reuse a mug? Firstly, I want to say that I feel shame about what I'm about to say. Don't, because carry on. No, and I think mug, mug chat is very much a safe space to exactly. explore uh, <laughs> our peccadilloes, our own failings and flaws as human beings. And I... I want to go on record as saying I care deeply about the climate and the the emergency that our planet faces. Mm. But here is my policy. Yeah. If I finish a drink and the mug is still warm, I'll rinse and reuse or just reuse. Mm-hmm. If it's got to a point where it's cold, the mug is stone cold and there's that stain on the bottom and it's solidified, I'll just put it in the dishwasher and use a fresh one. 
Okay, so... There's something about the coldness. Once it's gone cold, I don't want to reuse it. So you so you, you would say if you had eight cups of tea in a day, you would go through eight mugs in a day? Well, I don't think I would. I know when we were doing the radio show, I used to drink a lot of tea, but I think mm-hmm. that's basically because I find it no, it's hard to say no to things that are offered to me by other people, right. especially if somebody else is running around making a fuss of me. Mm-hmm. So... If, if as as that was the case back then, somebody would offer me a cup of tea, somebody was going to like run around catering to my whims, I would say yes to a cup of tea. Mm. But I'm too lazy to make myself that much tea in a day. And also, mm. uh, I'm going to the toilet all the time if I do that. So I tend to have a cup of coffee first thing in the morning and then possibly another one at some stage in the day and then switch to tea in the afternoon. But I'd be surprised if in total I have more than four or five hot drinks okay. in a day. But you're going through five mugs then, really? five mugs. Okay. No, because the so, say I have two cups of coffee in quick rapid succession oh, in the still, morning. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah. That's, that's one, mm-hmm. so we're down to four. And it is possible that I might not reuse a tea mug. I'd just put it in the dishwasher and get a different one. Okay. You, well, you're judging me. You said you weren't going to judge me. I'm just questioning you to get exactly where we are with this. Now, here's my answer. I'm going to say this without shame because, as you say, we're in a safe place. I have my first cup of tea when I get up in the morning, herbal tea. That's my mug for the day. That's I great. Re- and I, but I don't, I don't rinse it out. Why would I rinse? I don't, I don't have milky drinks. So I think it's okay. Mm. I don't rinse it out. I just keep reusing it. Same with I the glass. Know. I have my glass for the know. day. I don't know. You don't know. Glass, you don't, what glass do you mean the you don't know? <laughs> glass for the day feels wi- fine. Yeah, but a mug for the day doesn't. Yeah. A glass for the day wouldn't feel fine if you were drinking water and then orange juice and then water again and then a Vimto or something like that. <laughs> that that would be weird to me, even if you were rinsing. Right. But I'm drinking pretty much the same cup of like herbal tea all day. There's something about what's if there's any sediment or st- some kind of stickiness left on the mug once it's gone cold. That is my stumbling block. Okay. Also, I wouldn't, even if it was rapid succession, I wouldn't use the same mug for coffee and then tea or tea then Horlicks or whatever. No, I think if I if I did switch to say, yeah, coffee, which I don't, I guess I would, I guess mm. I would use a different mug. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, I find, I'm finding this extremely interesting. I had a Horlicks last night. I was, oh, did I it help you sleep? Something. Hey? Did it help you sleep? And no, it didn't as it mm. happened. But I really love, as I've said before, a multi taste. And it's been ages since I had Horlicks, and I thought I'm gonna get myself some Horlicks. So I found some in the um, in the cupboard, but it had solidified. Right. Okay. <laughs> the last time I wanted some, and then I've been meaning to get some. Really looking forward to it, but never quite in the right mood. And then last night, I thought tonight's the night, and I was quite underwhelmed. I think I got my ratios wrong. Uh, okay, we'll try again. Keep trying. Mm, maybe, yeah. Anyway, right, okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I found that very interesting. Thank you for that, Sarah. I had the the Horlicks, by the way. I think one of my errors was I drank it out of the wrong kind of mug. Ah. Uh, I drank it out of one of those Moomin mugs that I've talked about, which small. is smaller, and I like coffee out of. Too small. But I think it needs to be drunk out of a big, hefty mug that I would drink tea out of. It does. It, it's like yeah. a hot, you need it from a hot chocolate mug. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, wise Baroness Jennifer says, I have bought mugs. I have bought mugs. She's bought mugs. And they and I take great pride in a vast collection. And times gone by, known as before kids, I used to take such pride in this activity. Not only did I have a hierarchy of mugs, 
I also had different mugs to match the rooms in my flat. So the living room, which was decorated in browns, had brown mugs. The bedroom had a well-known retro designer, had mugs that matched the wallpaper and bedspread. My husband, although not necessarily an advocate of the system, did always follow these rules. He's in no way a drifter, so made his eye rolls, etc. known when (laughs) visitors came. And obviously the spare room had its own mugs too. Now, as a mum of small boys in a bigger house, such rules, I'm afraid, have gone. However, I still have decorative mugs out on the side not to be used, ones that must be used for tea and others, especially for coffee. Then just those middle of the road ones. And then those ones I really hate, but put on the high shelf for a just in case day. I did admit the flat living mug days at work once and never lived it down. I have left this job since and I've not spoken it again until this email. I Interesting. think... That has just upped the ante. Do you think? Do you not think we've just gone up another level in mug chat with somebody who matches mugs to rooms? It's, I think it, that's so impressive. Extremely, extremely impressive. And I'm right in thinking here that the mugs aren't kept in the individual mo- rooms, but they're chosen on the basis of which room you're then going to drink the drink in. I'm assuming so, yeah. Wow. Isn't that that's amazing? Yeah, mugs to match it. a room. Yeah. How many people do you think are using a mug tree versus not? How many people's mugs are on display versus in a mm, cupboard? Mm. Yeah, but I'm interested to know how many people have mugs that are just for decoration. Yes. Mm. Mm. Also, how do you handle it when somebody breaks a mug? Because you have no option but to be gracious. But I feel if it is one that is beloved... I find it very difficult to exhibit that that kind of grace. It's very hard. It's extremely painful. I don't want to if think about lips. If it's a partner, you can use it uh, as a vehicle to express your frustration about any other number of issues which have been swept under the carpet over the course of many years. Mm. But if it's any other kind of visitor... Or one of your children, you can't. You just have to roll with the punch. You have to just go into another room and scream into a pillow and then come back in again. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. A few more quick things. Go on then. Okay. Firstly, from High Chief Tracy, who has got, she's got top three of mugs and cannot drink out of her husband mugs. She says he has a various assortment of old manky football mugs that are stained and have bits missing. But the worst one is a cheesy naked lady mug that someone bought him, which has a lady on it that becomes naked when hot water is poured into the mug. The problem is most of the lady has worn away. So it looks like some disembodied murder victim when he drinks tea <laughs> out of it now. It's a special mug. Um, and what, what I really like about that is... That's some technology, right, that makes something change colour as Mm. heat is applied. Yeah. And just that somebody at some stage thought, I have got the perfect iteration of that technology. (laughs) (laughs) Just just somebody heard about that thing and thought, oh, I know what we could do with that. Saucy, yeah. yeah. And Holly says, and this hasn't been mentioned yet, a square-rimmed mug is an absolute no-go. Like those ones you might expect to see at a hotel breakfast buffet or in a greasy spoon. Why do they even exist? Mm. Does anyone have Mm. these in their house? Yeah. Did we touch on the subject 
of Toby jugs did that come up last week? Those big chunky kind of like handmade they ones. Yeah. yeah. So my my brother's sent today actually a mug to my son who at four and a half isn't a prolific mug user, but in the shape of Baby Yoda's head, and it's really it's a really nice present, and he's very happy to have it. But trying to get a four and a half year old to drink out of something that not only is sort of an unwieldy shape and has a big handle, but also has ears sticking out of it mm. is is very difficult. I'm a bit of a purist, I think, when it comes to mug shapes. There's two or three that are acceptable. And then, you know, I don't even like the ones that have a, a protruding base, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Which you might find in a country kitchen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I think... Um, Can I add one more thing from Holly? Oh, yeah, yeah, go on. Just to finish us off. I would be interested Mm -hmm. to know people's opinions on drinking cold drinks out of a mug. To me, this is completely wrong. I'd sooner drink water straight out of the tap than have it in a mug. Mm. There's an aberration as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather Uh, lap it up out of a puddle (laughs) like a thirsty dog than drink cold water out of a mug. I'd rather drink it out of the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's horrible. But... um, Maybe people feel differently. As we said before, this is a safe space for you to express any kind of mug-related opinion with no fear of judgment. Yeah. And I think, yet again, um, this this segment this week has, has uh, been testimony to the fact that this, this idea, this part of the podcast, will run and run. I don't think it shows any signs of running out of steam in the mug anytime soon so please send us your contribution uh, your hierarchy of mugs thoughts on mugs um, mugs you have known and loved etc anything arising from the issues you've just heard it's hello at adriftpodcast.com the sails are up when we sing this verse the stove is lit to break our thirst be your ship your sailor chunk it's time to talk of all things mug mug chats Quandary Corner at the Glatt Clinic here in Problematic. That's a problem. 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 Um, problematic. Losing power of speech here. You don't think it's the Pfizer, do you? <laughs> I think you're all right, yeah. Okay. Um, who's the first one from? Tracy. I go to the local small small supermarket. <laughs> I couldn't say that. Sorry, can I start again? I go to the local small supermarket, which currently has a one-way system. I like to buy a coffee from the machine, which is situated on the left of the entrance door. As you go in, the one-way system goes to the right. Once you follow the system round the whole shop, it ends at the tills, but doesn't take you past the coffee machine, which is situated after the tills. The only way to get back to the machine is to wait in the till queue, as you cannot get past everyone due to keeping the appropriate distance. Here is the dilemma. Should I ignore the one-way system and go left when I go in, get a coffee and carry around the rest of the shop? Or go around the whole shop, wait in a queue for the tills, even though I don't want to use the tills, go past the tills to the coffee machine and then go around the whole shop again via the one-way system, only to wait in the till queue for a second time? I've done both and received glares either way. Hmm... Can what I say? What is interesting about this is you're wearing a mask, presumably, with it being the supermarket. So you are literally just carrying the coffee mm. around with you because mm. you can't be drinking it. No. 
which then suggests that there is an efficiency in terms of heat of beverage to be made in doing it the second way. Yeah. And if she just wanted a coffee... Oh, I see. So I, I got the impression that he or she, you never know with a Tracy, do you? I think I think it's probably a she. Well, you say that. Um, <laughs> I do say that. Let, yeah. let's, let's go with they, just, just in case. Okay. Um, they, I, I got the impression they were going to the supermarket for something other than just the mm, coffee and the coffee okay. was something that, that was their little treat mm. whilst at the supermarket. But you think it's the specific journey. It, that that is the raison d'etre, hmm. if that's right. Yes. Now I th- I think she does suggest that she does want to go around the rest of the shop, and you're right. I suppose you can't drink it, so why not wait until the end? Hmm. But I have to say, when you go into a small supermarket and they've got the signs on the floor, the one way system, do, do people keep to it? Well, they ought to, whether they do. Of or course, not. they ought to, but yeah, do they? Yeah, yeah. I don't see anyone keeping to it. Well, no, but we like rules, don't we? Mm, okay. So I think we we have to at least try and adhere to those rules ourselves whilst judging the, the chaos and anarchy that's happening around us. Okay, okay, fair enough, yeah. Um, so what would you do then? Have, well, have we just solved was... it logistically because of the heat of the coffee or do you think there's there's more to it? Maybe it's one of those coffee machines which makes the coffee too hot mm. and actually our optimal temperature is achieved by walking around the supermarket. Mm, mm, mm. I think it's one of these where I think we probably don't have quite enough information to be able to properly mm. rule on this. I'd like a floor plan. Me too. Me and too. And also more detail uh, about what the shop, what the trip entails, yeah. how integral or not the coffee is to that yeah. and your preferred temperature of beverage. And the temperature it comes out at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, if you can provide us with that data, then we can reevaluate next week. Brilliant. Okay, let's move on then to yes. Paul Newbegin. I have a problem. The biggest part of this particular predicament is that I think it reveals a part of myself that even I dislike and it shines me in a rather unflattering light. Put simply, I hate the little old lady that lives on my street. Yes, I know, I'm a monster. Your dislike <laughs> for me will grow and grow when I tell you that she volunteers all, and I mean all of her time, to charity. Now you're thinking, you heartless man, how can you feel this way? But I just do. I hate her. There's one part of this story, however, that provides a particular wrinkle. She doesn't know my name and thinks I am called Mark. <laughs> So what, you are saying? Big deal. Just roll out the old PP, port protocol, to those not in the know. And look, that's what I've done until now. The problem is, for some reason, she basically thinks, because I'm working at home, I am free all day to do jobs for her, let her dogs out, help her with her garage, which is full of charity items, lift heavy charity items into her house when they arrive, take in charity parcel if she's not there, you get the gist. Every time I see her beating about, I'm petrified she'll collar me with her mark. Can you just... In my head, I'm screaming, no, I can't. And even louder still, my name is not Mark. It's worse still because she knows my wife's name correctly. So anyway, is there anything I can do to tell her, A, I am not your personal man for hire, and B, my name is not Mark? 
As you can see, I'm totally unbothered about this and don't get into large fits of rage whenever she comes to the door. And I definitely don't do things like laugh hysterically when I saw her car broken down on a drive, <laughs> just because it felt like some kind of karma. Well, firstly, it's a pleasure to hear from Paul. Mm. Um, it was nice to hear your name, Paul. Secondly, before we get into it, I think that your dislike of this little old lady, I am not here to judge you for that. No. Nope. Uh, a, a lot of people are awful and she could just well be an awful person who has lived a long time. Just, I know there's the respect your elders element to how we treat the elderly. That being said, some of them are just awful. And... <laughs> I don't think the charity um, and the volunteering necessarily disproves that because I want us to all just stop for a minute and think of somebody who has done a lot for charity who then <laughs> turned out to be despicable. Okay. So yeah, um, I, I hope that releases you of some... Um, some of the ways in which you're beating yourself up over not liking her. I I am smelling something of the busybody neediness on her. I think, I mean, nothing, is anything ever truly altruistic? Probably not. But I, I think... <laughs> old lady that I'm really about to do a character assassination on. But I, I, I think there is, there's a type... And the the do-gooding often in a certain type sits alongside this expecting other people to run around and, and meet your needs and expecting a certain level of involvement and hand-holding in your life, which you don't owe to her. Now, as with anything you can then start looking at why she's like that and feel a bit sad. But let's not do that right now because you can justify pretty much any human behaviour if you start digging into the events that led up to it. So let, let's just let's just talk about the hand you're being dealt here, which is basically somebody who doesn't understand boundaries and asks too much of you. Mm -hmm. Um. I think the name thing is easily solved. You just get your wife to you to use your name in her presence repeatedly until the penny drops. Yeah, that's great. And then if that goes past a certain point and it doesn't change anything or she doesn't acknowledge it, then she's definitely being passive aggressive and calling you by the <laughs> by the wrong name. Right. Which I think will be nice fuel for your uh, dislike of this woman. What was the other part of the question? Uh I am not your personal man for hire. How does how do you get him to stop her to stop asking him to do everything? Screw everything that she asks you to do up consistently until she doesn't ask you to do it anymore. Oh, have you That's got any the, further thoughts? Well, maybe she's just lonely. <laughs> I know, but I think we could. I think being kind is very important, but. People, this this thing about some people not understanding boundaries mm. and expecting the world to come to them 
is it's it's actually a cruel to be if you want to be kind you have to be a bit mm. of a cruel cruel to be kind situation because that's not a good le- if somebody has a tendency to think the world bends to their will yeah giving them information that that is in fact true is actually an unkind thing to do <laughs> you're creating a monster <laughs> Yeah, but when they're old, like, it's too late, isn't it? What, you're saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks? No. Look, really what I think, is I think Paul is a good guy, right? Mm, mm. I think he's not hating her for no reason. She's obviously really rubbing him up the wrong way. Yeah. (sighs) I do think your solution might be best. Just keep doing it to not her satisfaction until she pick some someone else you can't be the only person on the street that she's asking there must be other people that can help exactly she can move on to the next person she's got a staff yeah she's basically got people working on a rotor system running around after her to meet her needs yeah or maybe feign some kind of injury a bad back for a bit until she's moved on to the next person mm, you're not move. happy with that well let's move. <laughs> yeah that was always one of the options yeah. Let, let's go with yeah um, keep messing it up. There we go. That one's done. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, if you need to know the social etiquette of a particular situation, then you can email us. Uh, Also email us if you have a contribution for the judgment-free mug chat. Let us know your hierarchy of mugs, etc. Or a story of social ineptitude. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music to Kim Rainey for the artwork to Carla Gowlett for the uh, for the photos and if you're wondering what I'm doing I'm looking for mushrooms this Podication comes from, there's two, by the way. Um, so if you don't hear your name now, maybe it'll be the next one. If you sent in a podication with no date on it about 51 weeks ago, <laughs> it could be you. Um, this one comes from Einheria Hannah of Sussex, which I think is Hannah's Patreon title. Yes. And if I'm not very much mistaken, that refers to those who were chosen to be honoured by the Norse gods and, and join them in Valhalla after death. Hannah says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. You will be delighted to know that I am a drifter who was told about this podcast by none other than my husband, Toby, who has been an avid listener for a long time. I'm one of those apparently rare spouses who instantly and uh, irrevocably uh, get hooked. Wow. Very unusual. I garbled that sentence a little bit because it's so unusual. Um, I think more often than not, this podcast is a tiny point of difference in a a marriage that becomes, over the years, symptomatic of uh, a a wider chasm between people. Mm. 
And I'm not saying it's ever the straw that breaks the camel's back and leads to a separation or a divorce, but I think it's an, an early warning signal. <laughs> Hannah says, I've recently become a Patreon subscriber. Thank you very much. Uh, we, we appreciate it enormously. Um, and she says, I apologise for the time it's taken me to get there. Um, as soon as we are able to be back in the same place again, we will start thinking of some nice things for our Patreon supporters because mm, yeah. it's been really appreciated through uh, through this lockdown and we can't wait to do something for you because we know it's been a little while. She says, but finally, here I am. I'm excited at the prospect of having a title bestowed upon me. You may or may not recall that Toby requested a publication for me for my half birthday some years ago. I, I, do you recall a half-birthday publication? Oh, hang on, I've just closed the email. Um, <laughs> I was trying to scroll up. Here we go. Um, this is how he introduced me to the podcast. This is a celebration of his own invention, and despite my remaining adamant that it is not a thing, I can't deny that I was incredibly delighted to receive the Adrift publication at the time, so thank you. You're welcome. This half-birthday tradition has continued ever since, and it's about time I reciprocated and requested a half-birthday publication for him in return, so I'm hoping it might be possible, please, for you to be able to give him a publication as close as possible to his half-birthday, which is the 27th of February. So, yes, that, that will fall halfway between this podcast being released and the next episode. Please can you thank him on my behalf for being the most brilliant person I know. I am very much the epitome of drifterdom from my surface to my core, and I go to great lengths to avoid people and social interaction as much as possible, whenever possible. You'd think then that despite my being lucky enough to marry him, a year of various levels of lockdowns and restrictions resulting in spending long periods of time in the house with the same person would be something of a nightmare. Not so. There is no one I would rather be locked away with for months on end. He is the best person in the world and I can't say enough how grateful I am to have him in my life. I'm so proud of him and all he's achieved. He is the kindest, weirdest, loveliest person I know. He supports me throughout life's trials, laughs with me through life's joys and somehow manages to put up with all my nonsense. He is my best friend. I don't know what I'd do without him. Is that how you're feeling about Tom in this lockdown, Annabelle? <laughs> very, very similar. Yes, very. Um, so happy, happy half birthday, my love. And thanks for putting up with me for all these years. Also, our cat, Hayla, asked me if you would add the word ham to this podication. That is her message to Toby. Ham. Let's try it some different ways. Ham. 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 Um, I hope one of those is uh, pleasing to Hayla. That's a message to Toby. Um, thank you, Jeff and Annabelle, from hoping to be titled, please, Annabelle, um, Ein Herria, Hannah of Sussex. You got it. I'm, it I, don't, I don't have the authority to say that because Annabelle's in charge of the title. But... <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, all yours. Okay. Absolutely. I love it. And this one comes from Maya Sangani, who says, Dear Jeff and Annabelle, I am writing to you to ask for a publication for my father, Anand, to celebrate his birthday on the 25th of February. He is 
honestly the kindest, most caring dad anyone could ask for and has helped me get through so much. Whilst his calm and collected manner in social situations is far from drifter-esque, he is able to offer the support and guidance for my social ineptness. And I think every drifter needs someone like him in their lives. He's been listening to both of you since the absolute days and some of my most prominent memories of childhood consist of the two of us in the car as he taxied me to various sports clubs whilst he listened to the two of you and I sulked because I probably wanted to listen to Mamma Mia or High School Musical. I'm really sorry. Really, <laughs> I, I can only apologise. Um, I do find, I don't know if I've said this before, I find people who listen to the Mamma Mia soundtrack uh, quite peculiar. Because you think you might as well just listen to the ABBA one. Yeah. So I love Mamma, I love both Mamma Mia films. Mm. I know mm. they're sort of rubbish, but I love them both. But if you want to hear those songs, why not just listen to the ABBA versions? I think it's about reliving the film, like loving the film and then reliving the film through the songs. Mm. I think that's what it is, which I kind mm. of get. Well, I do get that. So do you think anybody loved that film yesterday and listened to the album of Himesh Patel singing the Beatles songs rather than the Beatles. Mm. The other ones are sort of faithful renditions, though, aren't they, I guess? Mm -mm. And there is comedy in them that you don't get with the ABBA versions. If you've got Stellan or Julie Walters or something. I mean, I can't understand anyone choosing to... uh, Choosing the Piers Brosnan version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's where I, I, I agree with you. But yeah, I think it's like it's listening, it's just reliving the film, but without the visuals. It's just an oral visitation of the film. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hurt his feelings just in case he subscribes. But for me, Piers Brosnan is the weak link in those films. Mm. I think the cast is so strong. And even in that second film where you get people like Cher coming into it and um, what's his face? But... I just think that Piers Brosnan, both in terms of his act, there's a stiltedness to his acting. There's no comic chops, which all of them, even though there's some serious actors in there, they they, they have. And then the singing voice, it's, it's a, a quite a baffling... I know he's, he's eye candy and all that, but it's, it's just baff, baffling choice beyond that, I think. Anyway, I love those films. Why am I picking them apart? I, I, I pretty pretty much unreservedly love them. Um, Maya says I can gladly admit that I've grown up a lot since then although still have a profound love for the aforementioned films and their soundtracks and when I was reintroduced to your world in my early teens I became an instant super fan I suffered from a variety of mental health issues I'm sorry to hear that Maya Uh, she says including an eating disorder, depression, anxiety yeah so sorry about that those are really really tough things to to live with i've got experience of the latter two and but not really of the first and uh i got great admiration for anybody who is able to work through that and and live with that because it's a really difficult thing and i hope that you are um you're, you're proud of yourself for what you've been able to do on that um she says, as a result, I had some time off school and ended up passing time by drowning in a bottomless well of darkness. I wouldn't talk to anyone for fear of messing up. But one day I overheard my dad listening to a drift. I remember trying really hard to listen and simultaneously made an expression that said, I'm not interested and I'm definitely not enjoying this to ensure that I didn't betray my illnesses. 
but you cracked me. For the first time in a year, I felt... Having a moment, just having one of my moments. Um... For the first time in a year, I felt a genuine feeling of joy and amusement since that day. I have been hooked and have currently listened to every episode four times. That has to be a record. Adrift gave me and my dad a topic of conversation that I felt comfortable with, and it saved me in a very difficult time in my life. My dad and mum stood by me through everything that I went through and never once gave up on me, even when I'd given up on myself. I truly believe that without you two and my dad, I couldn't have gotten to the place I am today. So I guess in a way, this is also a publication for you guys. But it's really for my dad. Anand, happy birthday. I love you so, so much. And I hope you have a fabulous day, even if it is in yet another lockdown. She then says like, I apologise for my lack of eloquence. I'm not a natural writer. After writing this brilliantly written email. Mm, So, um... Uh, Mai says, I do have some quandaries for Quandary Corner, but I'll see. wait to see how this is received to prevent further embarrassment. Kind regards, Maya. God. So. Oh, Annabelle, this, this stuff, uh, I am soft, aren't I? This is what I think, you know, I just thought as I was reading that and so moved by what Maya has overcome and just the idea that this silly podcast that has helped in any way and, and also you know, just what that relationship is between her and a, a dad I'm thinking about all that and, and that's what's moving me and then I'm thinking how will I ever do a eulogy or a reading at either of my parents funerals which I hope are a long way into the future if I can't get through a podication <laughs> about somebody else's life without cracking up I don't, I don't think that'll be and yes, I hope it's a long way away. I don't think that's going to be a job for you. No, I'm going to do a song instead. <laughs> do a dance. Something from Mamma Mia. You can't choke up in a dance. Music. Yeah. Um, God, yeah, my brother or sister are going to have to do that. I'm not... Uh... No. But there'll be an expectation because I've had this career in speaking, public speaking of some yeah, strange description. I'm worried that there's going to be the expectation that it'll fall to me. Just say you're doing do your dance and that's can't it. can't do it. An interpretive dance. Yeah. I'm going to show what, what this particular parent has meant to me through the medium of dance. And while wearing roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> um, there we go. Um, latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Anand from Maya and to Toby's half birthday uh, from Ein Herria, Hannah. If you'd like a publication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com.